Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade. And as always, I'm just here to ask the questions for you. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that, Brian. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. As always, another great show lined up for us today. But before we get to that, as always, I want to remind you, a lot of people do not have the opportunity to hear the entire show. So if you've missed any part of it or you want to hear it all over again, very simple. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and search Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans. We have well more than 300 episodes up there. There's bound to be one that applies to you. Brian, on today's show, we're going to be talking again about everybody's favorite subjects. I say that facetiously, tongue-in-cheek, and that would be taxes. Taxes and death, those are the two sureties in life. But Brian, I want to go back to when you were a young man, and I know that you studied at Washington State University over in Pullman. You're a proud cougar. What caused you as a teenager to decide that you wanted to make your life dealing with people's taxes? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good question. I remember when I was little, they'd go around the room like in kindergarten or something, <laughs> and there was, I want to be a mommy, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a policeman, I want to be a fireman. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of it. Uh-huh. And what was weird is I was talking to my Aunt Judy, mm-hmm. and I was eight, as I recall, and I said, Aunt Judy, I'm, I really think I'm pretty good at math. I really like money. Mm-hmm. What should I do when I grow up? She says, you should be a CPA. And so when people would ask me, hey, little boy, what are you going to do when you grow up? Oh, I'm going to be a CPA. And they look at me like, what? what? And I thought, that's kind of cool. And so I knew every time I said that, you know, yeah. people were impressed. So yeah. I thought, well, being a CPA must be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And so not knowing that it's, it's pretty high on the nerd quotient, I think. But I thought it was cool. Yeah. And so I did until um, my uncle Lowell came up to me and he said, I hear you're going to be a CPA. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be a CPA. He said, oh, huh, do you know what that stands for? I said, no, nah, I don't know. <laughs> C and P and A, I'm going to be those three letters. I don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. He says, well, certified public accountant, you might want to remember that. So, oh, okay. So then people would ask, I'm going to be a certified public accountant. And they're like, what? So as I got uh, into my schooling, you know, I take these aptitude tests, and right. that was my aptitude. I was, hmm. I scored, gosh, just off the charts on the whole math and accounting. They gave me a 99-plus percentile rating, which means you're, you're a freak of nature. And, right. And so I, I, I had that. I had the big outstanding math student trophy when I graduated yeah. high school. Took my dad's. He was my the math teacher there for mm. the upper-level stuff for two years. And so, uh, you know, and then it was another thing that happened in high school. They had an accounting class, but it was a self-study, and there were two of us. And <laughs> we go to the library. Two of you. Two of us. <laughs> and so when I went to college, sometimes you find things that uh, where you have a little practice ahead of time right. make uh, things better. So I went to college, I took accounting, and I took business math. 
Well, I got in my business math class, and I realized I took this with my dad already. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I you know aced it. Yeah. And then accounting class, we spent a year learning basic accounting and what's a debit, what's a credit. I'm like, been there, done that. I did two years of that in the library. Yeah. So now, not only is it my aptitude, but it came easy to me. I got got A's in it, which makes it more fun. And, and then when they teach a concept, instead of grinding over it and trying to get it in my head, I'm like, well, I'm pretty good with that, and it's easier to add on, you know, when, when you already have a, a good base. So I had such a good base in those because I always thought, well, I, I guess that's what I, I could be someday. So it just kind of fell into place that way. So when I graduated in accounting from uh, Washington State University, my first job was with a CPA firm. So there's the rest of the story, as they say. Well, you were born to be a CPA, and uh, I think maybe that's what Bruce Springsteen should have sung about in his song, <laughs> Born to be a CPA. But anyway, you do have an aptitude for this, and you definitely have used your skills to help a lot of people. And it's interesting that you deal with two of the things that people don't like to think about. That is not only taxes, but also death. Yeah, estate planning. You know, we, uh, as you said, uh, a couple things sure in life. And for most people, many people, you know, legacy is very important to them. And, you know, there's a taxation associated with that. But there's also a lot of other things uh, related to that. Certainly financial planning. I talk about financial planning sometimes with people and I, I remind them, I'm really planning for the, you know, if it's two, you know, husband, wife, mm-hmm. I'm really planning for the one that's going to outlive the other. Because the one that passed away first, or if you die prematurely, financial planning gets really easy. You know, I was saying, well, the doctor gave me two years to live. I'm all by myself. I got a million dollars. What do you recommend? I'd say spend half a million a year for two years. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, and, you know, it's easy. But where you have an undefined time period, you know, they might be 62, and maybe one of them is going to live 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so that now, oh, okay, that's, that's a more complex equation to solve on the financial planning side. But certainly as it relates to, you know, how our financial planning, the one thing in there, how long should we run this out? Cause right. Someday some, someone's going to pass away. How do we account for somebody passing away prematurely, unexpectedly, that kind of thing? And how do we navigate the estate tax issue and the legacy issues and, and so forth and so on? So, yeah, I, I kind of check both boxes on the death and taxes. <laughs> I guess I'll always have a job, Jeff. You will always have a job, my friend. As, and as I've always said, you're a world-class mathlete. I mean, you've got the <laughs> great big brain going there and you're using it for the benefit of all of our listeners and your clients there at Madrona Financial and CPAs. Well, anyway, Brian. Brian, on today's show, as I said, we're going to be talking about taxes, and I want to start off with something that's rather interesting. There are people out there, one in particular that I can think of, who preaches the mantra, power of zero, power of zero, zero taxes. And he's talking about the zero tax bracket. And Brian, give me your opinion about that. Should you really strive to be in the zero tax bracket? No, I don't think so. And I know that sounds weird coming from a CPA. I'm not saying try and pay more in taxes than you need to. What I'm saying is that it doesn't, it kind of flies in the face of logic, even though it sounds logical on the outside. Well, yeah, sure, I'd love to pay zero taxes. Well, that probably means that you uh, aren't making any money. You know, it's like saying, uh, I don't want to be 80 years old. Well, I'd rather be 80 than the alternative. It's just kind of a a necessary evil if you're going to be successful financially that you'll have income that you pay taxes on. So tax planning isn't about going to zero bracket. And I I think there's been a big change even in how we, we look at deferrals and income tax planning. 
or, or contributing to qualified money, uh, 401ks and all of that. It used to be when I started in public accounting a long time ago that it was all about deferring. Defer, defer, defer until retirement. Mm-hmm. Because everybody knew that while you're working, that's the most you're ever going to make. When you retire, you're going to have your Social Security and maybe a little interest in dividends. And your income is going to go down. You'll be in a lower bracket. So the big push was to defer money from your working years into your retirement years and kind of spread out the brackets that way. And so that's how what financial planning was for decades. And what I've seen, though, over the last 10, 20 years is kind of a shift where a lot of my clients are making more yeah. in their retirement than they did when they were working. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdest thing because they have maybe they have real estate and they've been you know rents have been going up and they have all this rental income. Maybe they have annuities and the stock market's been great. They have millions more than they ever thought they would have, and that's producing amounts. You have required minimum distributions that are pushing them into a higher bracket. So now we have almost a, a whole different way of looking at things. Maybe I don't want to defer as much into mm-hmm. retirement because of that the brackets there. And uh, we, you know, what are some of the methods to lower taxes? Certainly, we're going to talk about that today. But it's also important to realize that if you have a lot of income coming in, you're going to pay tax. So we're going to talk about you know the difference between uh, bunching it up and and spreading it out, and why that effects are that and and some of the other strategies that I might recommend to somebody to have lower overall taxes over a long period of time. But I'm not too excited about the whole power of zero, uh, (laughs) getting out of taxes completely, because frankly, there's a product pitch uh, buried in there. Yeah. Well, what is that product pitch that is buried in that statement? The product pitch is, you know, you're lured in by that headline. You know, I can pay zero taxes. Man, this guy's smart. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I want him. And he's going to say, give me all your money to invest. I'm going to buy universal life policy. I'm going to buy a big, big life insurance policy, uh, put you into one, so that you can, after 15 years or so, start drawing against your future death benefit income tax-free. Now, that's not a terrible idea. Uh, That's a great idea for some of your money. Mm-hmm. But to get in the zero bracket, I got to eliminate everything, don't I? That means I got to give you all my money to put in a universal life policy, and I got to wait right. 15 years. That doesn't sound like a great diversified strategy on the top, you know. Yeah. All of a sudden, and so I, I, I know that it's a product pitch, and I know there's some truth to everything. There's some truth to maybe a portion of your portfolio being at zero percent. And that is one way to have a portion of it do it. But I don't I don't want to just use one illiquid asset with, you know, limited growth potentially uh, representing my entire portfolio. That doesn't make any sense at all. And that's what the product pitch is. So it sounds like that there are some advisors out there who really focus on one thing. We've many times talked about the tools in the toolbox, having drone a financial, the fact that you have all these products. But there are a lot of advisors out there who build their entire careers focusing on just one product. It's very much tunnel vision, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's certainly people out there always talking about risk, you know, reduce your risk. We'll take care of your risk. We'll, we'll lower your risk. We got strategies to lower your risk. You don't want to be taking risk, you know, risk, 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 risk. Well, that's a product pitch. It's called a fixed index annuity. They eliminate downside risk. And again, that's a great thing to do. Maybe a percentage, a portion of your portfolio should be in a fixed index annuity, the portion you want to make sure is secure. So where security and potentially cash flow are your objectives over growth and liquidity, then a fixed index annuity could be a a very important tool in your diversification. However, if that's all I'm pitching, (laughs) 
you know, uh, it's the old, uh, I'm a hammer and you all look like nails. <laughs> and I want you all to put all your money into a fixed index annuity. That's how I make a living. Well, I have a little pushback there. Again, there's there's truth to everything. There, you know, there, There's truth to that can be a very good product. But do I think it should be 80% of someone's portfolio or universal life be 80% of someone's portfolio or or 100%? Absolutely not. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Our program's called Growing Your Wealth. If you're just joining us, we're talking about paying zero in taxes and why that is not a good idea as a goal. Brian, even if you get Social Security, I mean, still, Social Security is going to be subject to taxes. How can you get Social Security and not pay taxes? Well, you you can do that without having any other income. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, most of the people out there that get Social Security, I would say, really don't pay any taxes. And so they are in that 0% bracket. But I, I would guess that if I went to somebody that's in the zero bracket because all of their income is Social Security and they don't have any other income, and I said, tell you what, I'm going to trade you. I'll trade your financial situation, but you'll have to pay 22% in income taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, doesn't that mean I'll be making 150 grand a year? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make that trade. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm sure that person would trade. So right there, I'm saying, oh, yeah, there's an example. Somebody wanted to pay more taxes rather than zero taxes. It's because you have more income. We have a lot of different brackets. We have the zero bracket, 10%, 12% bracket. And you can, a married couple can make over $100,000 and not get out of those brackets, 0, 10, and 12. So their overall tax rate might be 8 and up to, you know, the first $100,000 they make. So there, there's something to consider. Uh, then it goes to 22 and 24%. Uh, then there's a 32 and a 35% bracket, a 37% bracket. And uh, in a few years, uh, those brackets are going to go up again. Uh, they have been much higher in the past. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, the, you know, the key is to take advantage of that 0, 10, and 12 brackets fully whenever you can, uh, especially if you think you're going to have years where you're in those higher 20s and 30s. Yeah, and, you know, tax rates are really not that bad today compared with what they used to be. And we've talked before about how high they were in years past. And again, I'll repeat this story about Ronald Reagan, ex-president of the United States. Certainly before that, he was an actor. And in the 50s, when he was making films in California, he only made two films a year because once he reached the $200,000 threshold, he was working for free because all of his money went into paying taxes. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, you mentioned that to me. I'm like, oh, no, let me do the math on that. You're at that high bracket, so you got Social Security, Medicare, maybe you maxed out on those. But the federal tax bracket in those years had dropped down to seventy. You're right. <laughs> Post war, World War II, it dropped. was ninety four. Yeah, dropped, and then it was ninety. So he might have been in the ninety bracket. Right. Uh, I'm not sure what year we're talking about. Yeah, in fact, I think he was. He was in the ninety percent bracket. Well, then throw on top of that the California state income tax. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, you're, you, there is some you know, offsets and so forth, some deductions in there. But basically, he's being taxed at over 100%. Right. I mean, that's, that's just not very good. So he's a very smart guy, yeah. evidently, because he knew not to keep working because uh, it costs him money to work. Sure. And so that's exactly right. And we're seeing we're seeing some of those mm-hmm. things in, in other states, not, not that— 
you know, you're working for free, but certainly New York and California are feeling the, the brunt of chasing their, their millionaires out because they keep wanting to go back to the well and bring up uh, inventing right. taxes for them. And they're like, well, I have no problem moving to where Florida or something else where sure. they don't have income tax. And so I think they're going to feel some sting from that. Well, I'm glad that Ronald Reagan kept making movies. Bedtime with Bonzo, one of my favorite films. And uh, we can thank Ronald Reagan for that. But yeah, you talk about the wealth taxes in places like California and New York. I read that California is considering a wealth tax. And I mean, you work hard all your life. You sacrifice, you accumulate some money, and then they want to take it all away from you. That doesn't sound like a good incentive to me. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Our program, of course, is called Growing Your Wealth. We're talking about why the zero tax bracket is not a reality. And we're going to be talking about spreading out your income so that you can minimize taxes in just a moment. But in the meantime, I want to remind our listeners who go out to our website, which is madronafinancial.com. It's madronafinancial.com. I want you to, at the very top, click on that get started button to begin the conversation about your rooted wealth analysis. Well, what is your rooted wealth analysis? Well, if you've ever seen those trees that topple over during a storm and you look at the bottom of them there, the roots are very shallow. They just didn't have deep enough roots to sustain the storm. Same way with your financial portfolio. We've had some financial storms here and we're sure to have some more in the near future. So if your roots are not deep enough, your portfolio could be devastated by the next financial storm. If you don't know how deep your financial roots are, simply go to madronafinancial.com, click on that get started button at the top, and that will begin your conversation. It just takes a couple of minutes to fill that out. You'll be connected with an advisor. And if your financial roots are not deep enough, our advisors will show you how to deepen your financial roots. Quite simple. Madronafinancial.com and click on the get started button. And while you're there, why don't you scroll down about two thirds of the way down the page and download your no cost, no obligation, seven steps to a successful retirement book that we have available right now. You'll download your digital copy. And this is a great book because it's going to be showing you how to confirm your retirement is designed to support your quality of life for 30 plus years in retirement. If you like to do things by phone, you can also text us, radio, text radio to 833-673-7373 to get your digital copy of 7 Steps to a Successful Retirement. Once again, it's radio to 833-673-7373. And if you want a hard copy, you can also, in that text, just say, send me my hard copy of 7 Steps and we'll get that right out to you. Brian, we're going to continue talking about minimizing taxes here, but I wanted to mention something that I ran across here. This is an interesting little article that said that elderly men are likely to live with a spouse while elderly women are more likely to live alone. Why do you think that is, Brian? Um, I believe in that study they were saying that, you know, men choose to remarry more often than women do uh, in their later years. So it probably has to do with an, an age thing there and, and certainly guys <laughs> sometimes a little more needy. <laughs> they need some help. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I don't know how to turn on the, the stove. I don't know. How to yeah, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Or do you help do anything? <laughs> yeah, my, I mean, my, my dad was, well, he figured it out when he would go on his trips to spring training. I oh, yeah. opened up a cabinet and there was a bunch of clam chowder uh, cans <laughs> and a bunch of tuna cans. And every single night he had the same dinner. He'd pour in <laughs> one of each into a, a bowl and 
eat it. There you go. And after you warmed it up, and I guess you call that cooking. I don't think it's going to make yeah. HGTV anytime soon. No. But, well, that's why we have uh, microwaves today. And I, I have to say, men are very good at grilling. I mean, Brian, you grill a mean steak out there in the grill. But yeah, that is right. If you're a woman listening to this program, it's important to consider that and important for you to develop some sort of social support groups, you know, volunteer, get out amongst people because you may have a few more years than the man in your life. So, Brian, let's get back to our conversation here about why the zero tax bracket is not realistic. So if that's not realistic, what should we be doing? How can we minimize taxes going into retirement? Yeah, again, um, this is for a finite group of people that what I'm going to talk about applies to because, again, statistically, many people are in the 0% bracket, but they generally aren't clients of ours because they don't need us. I'm talking about the people that we see and and meet with typically have a, a decent wealth accumulated, whether it's in real estate or stock market or wherever. And so we're talking about people that have uh, maybe millions of dollars more often. And those folks are just, it's not realistic to think that if you have millions of dollars, you're not going to have any income tax. That just doesn't make any sense at all. So some of the things I I did want to talk about first is if you think you're going to be in a higher bracket when you're retired, you might consider at work, you know, you have the 401k you can put money into, but many people also have a Roth 401k they can contribute to. And the limitations are much higher. You can put a lot more into a, a Roth through a 401k than you can on your own. And so a lot of people are going, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I'm younger, especially to make sure that when I put money in my 401k, I check the Roth box. Yeah, I don't get the deduction now, but whatever that grows to someday, if it doubles or triples or quadruples or whatever, I'll never pay any tax on any of that. And so if it does go way up in value and I'm in a higher bracket and tax rates are higher in the future, I might choose a Roth option for my 401k. Brian, for most people, I think long-term care is going to be a certainty. What are some of the ways that you can reduce taxes by funding long-term care? Yeah, I think I read the stat that about 70% of us will at some point in our life need some care, whether, you know, long-term, it could be three months, it could be three years, you know, whatever it is. But that's a real thing. And, you know, it used to be that kids could take care of their parents more because they maybe the kids lived where the parents lived. People weren't as mobile back, you know, decades ago. But anymore, you know, I talked to my clients, so where are your kids? Oh, they're all over the place. They've mm-hmm. <laughs> got one in Europe and one in Washington, D.C. and one in Texas or whatever, so they don't live near you. No. And so a lot of people are saying, yeah, and I don't want to burden them with that anyway because they're busy, they're trying to work, both work, and they got kids in school, whatever. And so long-term care is an important topic. Uh, I think it's something many of us address too late to the point where we can't get it or it's prohibitively expensive. So having that discussion earlier rather than later makes a lot of sense. But funding a long-term care, basically policy, an asset-based one is what I'm talking about. If you can fund one with a lump sum Mm -hmm. of money, non-qualified money, and we'll talk about another method in a second here, but if you have a a lump sum of after-tax money and you can fund one, if and when you do need the long-term care, that will be income tax-free. So when you receive that benefit, you're not paying taxes on that. And so that can bring a lot of peace of mind. And if you don't use it, much of your original lump sum will be returned to your estate for your heirs. So again, there's a lot of benefits from having uh, long-term care, and part of that is the tax-free nature of the benefit. Brian, you mentioned that there was another way to fund long-term care that will help in minimizing taxes. What is that? Yeah, another way is to, now you have to do a lump sum with these asset-based plans. And I say asset-based because if you don't use it, 
most of the money can be returned to your heirs. And, and so that's the one we like to talk about when we're talking about long-term care. But some people come to me and they say, well, that sounds fine and dandy, but all my money's in a IRA account. And I, I don't have the non-qualified assets to make the lump sum payment. Is there any way I can use that? And uh, yes, there is. You you can take a distribution, if you're 59 and a half, a lump sum from that and buy what's called a, essentially a single premium immediate annuity and you can design it so that it will pay into that over time. So there are things we can do. I mean, it's, it's not ideal to have qualified money being used for long-term care, but there are methods we can use to make that work too. But it's just sometimes a, a good thing, as I mentioned earlier, universal life getting you out of income tax is, might be good for some of your portfolio. Fixed index annuity for security, all that doesn't get you out of tax. Someone's going to pay tax on those gains someday, but that could be good. Uh, funding long-term care can be good as something that's tax-free if and when you need it. Our program is called Growing Your Wealth. Of course, we're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPA's offices right here in Seattle. I think we've got about three or four offices, so there's bound to be one near you. If you like what we're talking about today, minimizing taxes, of course, our advisors, many of our advisors are also CPAs, and that is a big advantage when it comes to designing your portfolio is tax minimization. And we're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment. But in the meantime, I invite you to go out to the website once again, madronafinancial.com. Click on the get started button at the top and check your rooted wealth analysis. See if the roots of your financial plan are deep enough to sustain yourself during the next financial storm. And while you're there, scroll down about two thirds of the way in the website down and download your digital copy of the seven steps to a successful retirement. It's a great book. It'll show you how to sustain your retirement that could last for 30 plus years or more. Again, entirely no cost, no obligation for that. If you'd like to get it by using your phone, text radio to 8336. 673-7373. That's 833-673-7373 for your free copy of Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Growing Your Wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about taxes. That's right, Brian. Everybody's favorite subject, I say facetiously, as I said before, tongue-in-cheek, taxes and death. And of course, those are two sureties in life. So in this segment, we're going to be talking about how to minimize taxes in retirement. I think we have already determined that getting to a zero tax bracket is just not feasible and it is not a good idea. One way you can get to the zero tax bracket, Brian, as we've discussed before, is just don't make any money. <laughs> but I, I think your quality of life would suffer just a little bit there. So let's dive back into it, Brian. As I said, zero tax bracket, not realistic. What are some of the other ways that we can minimize taxes going into retirement? Yeah, with some other things, I mean, there are components of your portfolio where it makes sense to have them at zero bracket when you're retired. And I'm just saying that if you have a, a well-diversified, healthy financial 
balance sheet in your retirement, you're probably not in the zero percent bracket. But some of those components, for instance, I mentioned in the last segment, if you're working somewhere that has a 401k and you said, hey, I'm going to put money into a Roth so that that can grow tax-free when I take it out in retirement, it doesn't put me in a higher bracket. Well, that's probably a very good idea. And the younger you start, the better it is. You got time on your side. The more time you have, the more it grows. The more it grows, the more you have that 0% bracket. Another strategy around that is the universal life policy, as I mentioned before. You can coordinate that in addition to your 401k. So one of the things that especially a younger person might do, and younger is 40s and 30s and 40s and early 50s or whatever anymore, they might have all of that. It'd be really great if you're maybe a few things are going on at once. I'm, I'm maxing my 401k and I'm putting into the Roth side uh, heavier than the non-Roth. Outside of that, I, I'm putting after-tax money into universal life policy, a monthly deposit into that so that when I retire, I, I have another flow of income that's income tax-free. I refi to a 15-year mortgage instead of a 30-year, so I have it paid off by the time I retire. You know, these are all good things that will help you have lower taxes in retirement and things that you can be thinking about ahead of time. And Brian, when you talk about mortgages there, it spawned me to think about real estate. For those people who have real estate in their portfolio, are there ways that they can deal with that to minimize taxes? Absolutely. So a lot of people that we work with have real estate holdings, rentals and commercial real estate and so forth. And while they were, you know, own these things, they took depreciation deductions. Now, the thing about depreciation deductions is that can be something that's good and it can be something that's actually bad. And where it can be bad is where you've taken, maybe you were in a kind of a low bracket and you were getting 10,000 a year depreciation for 30 years and then you sell that piece of real estate. Well, all of a sudden you're in a high bracket because you have a $300,000 gain just from recapturing the depreciation in addition to any capital gain you would have because it went up in value during that time. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of real estate went up way up in value. And so now you're in this really high bracket and a tax man tells you, oh, by the way, that little 10,000 you deducted every year, which you hardly even noticed, or you're getting whacked for 300,000 because it's been 30 years of that. You got to pay it all back at the highest bracket. And even though you were deducting it at a low bracket, and boy, that just doesn't sound very fair. So it's like, well, wait a second here. That doesn't seem right. And so there is there any way out of that? And absolutely there is. And so this is the, the good side of depreciation. So you can do, as we talked on this show before, uh, Section 1031 exchange. Mm-hmm. You can sell your investment real estate and purchase other investment real estate. But you might be saying, well, I'm selling it for a reason. I don't want to be a landlord anymore. And it's too hard to find a good property. True and true. And so we use something called the Delaware Statutory Trust, which essentially is selling your real estate and doing a proper 1031 exchange. And we would help you figure that out. And then it would go into other DST investments. It could be apartment buildings, industrial parks, self-storage, a mix of different ones. And now you own real estate that you don't have to manage. And some of the benefits that, you know, we talk about the benefits, hey, you don't have to be a landlord, you're Mm going to get monthly income, you're diversified, you know, there's tons of benefits. But some of the ones we haven't really talked about is by avoiding that big lump sum tax hit and all that depreciation recapture. Another thing DSTs do is they don't affect your other income. So if you had a big gain and didn't do a DST, now you'll notice, oh gosh, that made my other income at a higher bracket because it popped me up. 
And then when I looked at my itemized deductions, it limited them. I didn't get as many deductions. So now it's hurt me a couple other ways, not to mention the recapture tax I had to pay at the highest rate and the capital gains at the highest rate. And then you get a statement a year later from Medicare saying, oh, by the way, we're going to max out your Medicare surcharge yeah. for 12 months. Mm. You go, well, wait a second. This is a gift that keeps on taking. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is uh. Uh, All these bad things are happening. Another thing is there's no step up in basis for your heirs because you sold your property and didn't do a 1031 exchange. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things now that, that if we reverse that conversation and say, what if I did do a DST? They all become benefits. I didn't taint the rest of my income in a higher bracket. I didn't lose itemized 